And let me just welcome our regular slot here on a Wednesday, <laughs> Cruzanne McCalligan. Good afternoon to you. Hello, Sadia. How are you doing? I'm very well. And how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's quite chilly. It is. Actually. I had a heater in my office, and then I blew the fuse for my oh, office. No. Yeah, because we okay. and then we went to the office next door, and we said, because their power went out too, and we said did you have a heater running? And they looked really guilty and they said yes. And we're like, it's all right, we're all really cold. So, we're so this just shows you in Hong Kong, if you have more than two heaters yeah, running, exactly. everything collapses. Right. All went, all went. So okay. that was, yeah, but that's not even remotely what we're talking about today. No. Uh, we're talking about another kind of appliance, really. Forget the heater. Yes, all right. the heater. This one, when you plug in, a vacuum cleaner. Yes, we're talking about vacuum cleaners. Do lots of people in Hong Kong have vacuum cleaners? Because, I mean, there's not too much carpet, but you need it's it. I have point, one. actually. I have one. Yeah. Because I can't survive because my hair is everywhere. Yeah. I, need I need to sort of suck I'm it I'm also a Malta, I hear. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and I have a dog, so I hear. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I guess they do. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm quite a fan of the vacuum. Yeah. Like, there is a real satisfaction in And there's a lot vacuuming. of um, there's a lot of dust in, in Hong Kong, too. So... You know the tables part so unless you vacuum yeah. that kind of dust never really disappears it just goes flying around I doesn't agree. it it's so true it's so okay. true but yeah but vacuums and they're, they're quite interesting really mm. and i think i'm no they are they do have an interesting thing to them considering that they're pretty awkward i think even the super fancy ones you're know, like mm. high-end dyson mm. is still not this seamless contraption right and i mm. can't bring myself to ever get one of those little rumbas you know the little vacuum yeah, robots yeah. i yeah. just feel like they doesn't gather anything does it i don't know i don't know and i've seen those flat ones which you just place on they're very expensive actually yeah. and they just remotely go around yeah but i can't it. see i don't know i don't, I don't see I don't how they get maybe it's just because I'm, I'm like i'm like i've seen the pet fur that comes off the floor of maybe my i've house got some ocd or something. yeah yeah oh, anyway definitely. but i think um they are a multi-billion dollar business vacuum cleaners and you might have you might be a bit surprised to know that the machine's basic design and performance which i find particularly interesting hasn't changed much in the last hundred years mm. so there's a vacuum historian actually uh, there's an actual vacuum historian called I tom gasker <laughs> right. i bet he sucks no yeah. more corny um, and right. um okay. he he's he's from the vacuum cleaner museum in the states and he said a vacuum cleaner from 1910 would probably clean your rug just as well as a modern vacuum cleaner oh, today right so you know so there's a, it's a bit of an illusion right yeah. what we think is actually is actually working or not um but it's interesting when we start thinking about vacuum cleaners because they start with the broom the broom is part of the evolution of the vacuum because of people trying to remove dust, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, archaeologists have found rudimentary examples of the broom dating back to 2300 BC. So they've been around for, for a long time. People are like, maybe we should sweep some of this stuff up because I find that a fascinating concept anyway. Mm -hmm. If you think about history and you think about black and white photographs from the turn of the century or cavemen living in caves, whatever it is, mm. when did people say, start cleaning let's up. start cleaning up? Yeah. You know, like let's get I rid bet of some you of the women who did it. Yeah, it was too. <laughs> but interestingly, it's the men who men who have been doing all the inventing. It's like right? the chefs, exactly, you exactly. Know? I know. Right. Um, so, like, we've made it. Now you can use it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, basically, um, they they have all these. They had all these. They didn't perfect the design of the broom until about 1797. They used to use it, and the bristles would fall out. And then someone thought of using this particular grain called sort of a variety of sorghum and they're like let's use that it's stiff and it's strong and it doesn't fall apart and they're like wow you're so innovative so then that the broom takes off right but then it wasn't long before people again you want a better way of doing it a mm -hmm. broom's still not particularly efficient and mm -hmm. i guess you're getting pretty fed up so they're trying to look for different ways of cleaning and that's where you started getting in england really ambitious inventors getting patents for 
mechanical sweepers that cleaned streets and floors and carpets. But these were no, no way elegant creations, right? They're just manual systems of pulleys and cranks. And I always think of um, like chitty chitty bang bang style, you know, mm. invention, you mm-hmm. know, lots of pulleys and cranks. And the the devices were very complicated and they just kind of pushed dirt into a little receptacle like a dustpan, but they weren't much better than a broom, actually. They're just fancier looking. So then it was probably like uh, quite a long time that people were kind of thinking about how do we move dust off carpets. But then um, in about 1860, we had a really interesting breakthrough from a man called Daniel Hess. Now, the US was on the brink of civil war and he um, he created one simple addition to this whole problem of sweeping mm-hmm. and that was air it, it will yeah. not suction oh, just, air. just air so what he started with was the nature of his invent- invention would draw fine dust and dirt through the machines by a draft of air so essentially he would he would kind of have this bellow that would create a little bit of suction and mm-hmm. draw in the dirt but mm-hmm. it wasn't the suction we know of today it mm-hmm. wasn't quite the rotation suction it was just sort of a bellow um but yes, yeah, so it was it was kind of like the first idea for what we think of as a vacuum cleaner. But then um, uh, in about 1869, a another inventor in Chicago used a fan to move the air and stood his machine upright. Okay. And so it wasn't it was a little bit different. It wasn't so a it's bellow. taking shape. It now, was taking right. a bit of shape. And he wrote in the um, he wrote in he was much better at marketing. And so this is the thing. It doesn't always matter that you've got the brain, right? You need the good marketing smarts too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so he kind of had this thing of saying, the accumulation of dust and dirt in dwelling houses is a source of great annoyance to all good housekeepers. (laughs) To obviate these difficulties is the object of my invention. So he was like, look, you've got a problem. I've got a solution. So he's much better at kind of spinning Mm -hmm. a yarn, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But his, his whirlwind, which is what he called it, was not really a success. It had a retail price of 25 US dollars, which is about 450 US dollars today. So it wasn't a cheap, it wasn't a cheap device, right? And again, it had, yeah, and it had a hand crank again. It was considerably harder to use than a broom. And it nearly drove, um, the company that produced it out of business because it didn't really didn't really sell any. It was very expensive and it didn't make that much of a difference. Um, but of course, for a while, it um, of course the problem is that nobody wants to crank something to 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 you know they want it to be easier and turning mm. a crank over and over again is hard. So by the end of the uh, by the late nineteenth century, we have some new innovations that come along that make that advance the vacuum and one of them is gasoline yeah. um, because it emerged oh as a source of fuel in 1892 so then what um what we have is we have the what emerged was the gasoline powered pneumatic carpet renovator they were these incredible titles <laughs> and so um it didn't really it didn't re- it didn't suck any it didn't suck up dirt and dust it produced an air blast to dislodge the dust and blow it into a receptacle so it was okay. it was a it was a puffing machine right okay. um and the device was the size of a horse-drawn carriage. <laughs> so it wasn't like your appliance for your cupboard, right? right. Um, and he would make, uh, the inventor used to make house calls and it Gosh. would um, it would be $4 a visit, which would be like about 800 Hong Kong dollars, you know, a visit today, which wow. is not that cheap really yeah, either. Yeah. And he kind of had a moderately successful business because fancy places would want I to... Those big houses and stuff probably yes yeah, yeah sure business, right. they, like they've got various chambers you can blow the air yeah. out of um but of course um essentially uh he went and showed this he showed this at one of those sort of um world expos and uh, a, a Brit came up to him called uh, hubert cecil booth he was an english structural engineer and he said hmm you know what why why doesn't it suck in the dirt why does it expel it why does it blow on the dirt and he um and um 
Thurman, who invented the big horse-drawn carriage-sized um, puffing creation, said, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't, it's impossible. It's actually impossible to create technology that would suck in the dirt. Um, and of course, this guy Booth is like, I don't believe that. I'm sure I can do better. He was actually an engineer for the British Royal Navy. And essentially, he reverse engineered Thurman's big puffing machine and came up with this uh, huge suction machine. But he called it Puffing Billy. It actually had, it was called Puffing Billy and it was big, red and gasoline powered and it paraded through London streets and this one wasn't the size of a horse-drawn carriage but it was required to be pulled by a horse-drawn oh carriage. Goodness, it was that right. big. <laughs> and this contraption became a really common sight around town um, with its pipe sort of snaking into from the machine into these really big buildings and it secured all these high profile jobs you know it it cleaned Westminster Abbey for the coronation of King Edward the seventh and Queen Alexandra and they were so they were so impressed they they created a fleet of puffing billies which they they um, employed to kill um, to sorry to clean London's Crystal <laughs> Palace um, and all these different things so it became this like quite trendy amazing thing and eventually it um it wasn't being paraded around it wasn't being pulled by horse anymore people would create one big central vacuum in their homes if they could afford it and these were put into hotels and really big high-rise buildings and that you find we started finding them across the pond in new york but of course the size is the big issue here you know i mean we're talking about this enormous Mm. contraption in the middle of a space um and it was obviously limited to the upper crust of society. You know, everyone else was very, very dusty. You know, like, and, but in 1907, there was a janitor, a very humble guy, um, who changed all of this. Um, and it wouldn't be right to say, his name was James Murray Spangler. He wouldn't be right to say that he invented the vacuum per se, but he revolutionised it. So he was 60 years old and he was a department store janitor in Ohio. And his job every night was to clean the entire building, which was... An incredibly difficult job for a 60-year-old man, for any person, to Mm -hmm. clean this entire department store by himself. It was long and tedious and boring, and it took a huge toll on his asthma, because obviously it was very, very dusty. Now, he um, was a bit of a tinkerer and inventor, and he devised his own Frankenstein contraption using a broom, a pillowcase, and an electric motor. I'm just trying to picture that now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Broom, pillowcase, electric motor. And what he would do, what was different about it is it was upright and portable. And he used it used a ceiling fan motor and paddle blades to create an airflow. Then he used a leather belt and journaled it to a rotating brush that he'd gotten out of a carpet sweeper. Um, and no one was able to get the carpet clean because they didn't have a motor-driven brush. So he started creating this this really crude machine that was sucking dirt and blowing it out into the back into this attached pillowcase, this sort of vacuum bag, right? And he kind of it kind of worked, and he patented it. It is sounding a little bit more like. Yeah. Yeah, and so he patented it, he quit his job, um, and he opened the Electric Suction Sweeper Company, which is a great name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, investors, including the department store owners that he used to work for, helped him to begin production of this invention. And after this, he he bought 75 motors. He had to, he didn't have that much money. He he sold his own house as collateral. Um, He did all of this stuff. He he couldn't make enough money to get the, to get Mm. the, the, the seed capital he required for this venture. Um, he ended up uh, in quite a lot of financial distress trying to put the patent up for auction to be bailed out. And one of his, his cousin, Susan Hoover, 
Oh, there they you persuaded are. Her, her. Yeah, they persuaded her husband, um, William Hoover, who was already a well-known leather goods manufacturer, to purchase the patent in 1908. Okay. And so they poured all this money into marketing and researching and development and all this sort of stuff. And that was kind of how, you know, it, without Hoover, Spangler's business would would have failed. But of course, the Hoover is so, so it iconic. Wasn't Hoover who actually then invented? You no. always think it was Hoover. You who always invented think, it. but he no, just bought the patent. Goodness. Yeah, okay. yeah. So then, of course, more than a century later, everyone knows the name Hoover. I think yeah. even if you don't have a Hoover You're, brand, you just vacuum, call it a Hoover anyway. You just say, oh, have you got the Hoover? Right. Exactly, okay. exactly. And so um, the company does millions and millions in sales. Obviously, people started calling it Hoovering, which I guess is like the most, the ultimate in brand mm. brand awareness mm. and brand recognition. Um, but of course, um, you know. And now we're getting to the, you know, vacuum cleaner motors from the 1910s drew about 1.5 amps and rotated between 1,000 to 3,000 rotations per minute. If we compare that to the 1930s, that's you're then looking at three amps and turning five to six thousand rotations per minute. Um, but they were wearing out much, much faster, eight times faster because they were rotating mm, so fast. Mm, and mm. then um, today, you know, you, you know, um, the state of the art Hoover would draw 11 amps, but a new Dyson today would rotate 104,000 times per minute compared to what it started with in 1910s of 1,000, 104,000 times. But as they said... But they're doing the same job. It's and doing it's the same any. job. And they said, but the faster it turns, the faster it wears out. So it's not really that it has more suction or has more p- power. It just runs faster. Mm. It's just a faster mm. machine, right? Mm. Um, so it's really interesting if you think about that. So if you're in the market for a vacuum... Yeah, I, be, would, I wouldn't you know, go for the Dyson, yeah, just, I've got the Dyson once and I wasn't very happy yeah, with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I go for the Henry, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? You know, that we have this perception of value, yeah. but actually the principles are the same. Um, And so there have been a lot of, you know, there's obviously we've got a lot better things. We've got HEPA filters and all this other stuff that we've included now in the robotics age. We've got them doing the vacuuming by Mm. themselves, you Mm. know, all these different things. Um, But it is quite interesting because it's not really, hasn't really changed that much. That's interesting, It's just looking a lot nicer. I mean, with some of these brands, you just find that actually the person who did it didn't really get much of the glory. It was just somebody else who came in and decided to put the money in and then their name was attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. I was quite surprised about that. Well, it could have been, I mean, I think Hoover... I mean, can you imagine if we'd called it the Spangler? Yeah. And you've been, have you been but Spangling? You, but, but, <laughs> but you wouldn't have thought anything of it. You would have just thought, oh, I'm gonna go. you've got your Spangler, is yeah, it you okay? Your Spangler, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, it's a really fascinating thing. Mm. Um, but it is interesting to think that, um, you know, that you've got this, this, the principle hasn't changed, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I think it's interesting that in the 1910s, 1910 to now, a vacuum from 1910, if it hadn't been used and it was still able to be plugged in and worked with it's a little gasoline motor or whatever would still suck mm. the dirt and the dust out of your carpet yeah um, so it's still doing the same job absolutely brilliant how long does it take you to do this research you sit there sort of going through all sorts of things about an hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it is what i also do really like about the vacuum though is um it's it's stylism because if you think about it it became the you know vacuums for 1950s yeah. 1950s housewives so many pictures and magazines yeah. with the with you the want upright the, absolutely Hoover. and and that was all because of an industrial designer called Henry Dreyfus who who um in the 19 the early 30s he helped to define that that portable vacuum cleaner's modern shape by covering up all the exposed components with this sort of smooth bakelite hood 
and then you know kind of thinking of some different colors and things like that and it kind of added to the appeal of it and it made it quite a desirable item. Yeah, it is a bit of a sort of does it, it is kind of a thing that people think oh well get that make it's just like mixers isn't it that you get a particular brand and it looks good in your home absolutely and that's why absolutely it's so yeah but um but it's just i do i do just find that fascinating that basically yeah. it's just that i mean i think the the lesson here is that it's kind of boring vacuuming mm-hmm. but um there's a lot more to it there's a lot more to it than you think okay. yeah great okay is that it for vacuums that's then? all yes. i've got for vacuums so can we have a little bit of a teaser for next week i haven't thought of next week okay yet. all right well it will be a surprise then. it will be a surprise great okay we will talk vacuums as i put the record on thank you very much no problem for coming in today and changed my life octopuses <laughs> last week vacuums this week i will never look at it again in the same way mm.